from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You were all born dead. You were born spiritually dead. Dead as a doornail, spiritually. This is the condition you were born into. You were born in rebellion. You were born in enmity with God. You were born a sinner. You were born dead. Now it's very easy for us to look at our sinful condition and think, not, we're not that bad. We're not as bad as that guy down the street. We're not as bad as that other person that one person I work with, you're not as, we're not as bad as the, the other person in the other pew, but they're not good, and guess what? Neither are you. You were born a dead enemy of God. And so often we want to try to lessen it, and we come up with our own form of righteousness, our own means, our own ways in which we think we're all right. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, what they did is they, they kind of created their own law. So there's God's commandments, but they kind of created a fence of their own commandments. And the whole idea was, is that if we could keep the fence intact, there's no way we could break the law. But if anybody knows anything about fences, you could just hop over it, break the law, and leave the fence intact. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They would keep their man-made laws, but they would break God's law. But because they kept their man-made laws, they thought, they're okay, they're pretty righteous. And we will find ourselves doing the same thing. We find little platitudes, little moments, little things that we think this is a good thing we are doing, when in reality it is our own man-made law, not God's. And we look at these man-made laws and see that we are keeping it, and yet still breaking God's law. And remember, sin is not, it is in the things you do, yes, but it's also in those things you don't do. The things that you're supposed to do, but you didn't. Sin is in what you say. It's in what you don't say. You know, today's Valentine's Day. You know, how many, do we, how many times do we neglect to say something as simple as, I love you. And I know the whole, what is an old joke of the guy that said, I told her on... I said I love you at, her, at the wedding, and that's enough. There's, you know, that's doesn't work that way. But we don't say things. We don't say the words enough. We don't say words that we should when we should. But what makes it even more difficult is not just in the words that you say and the words that you don't say. It's not just in what you do and what you don't do. It's in what you think. If you ever... So again, thinking, if you ever look lustfully upon another, that's adultery in your heart. 
If you've ever been angry with somebody or said you fool to another, you are guilty of sin against them. You're guilty of murder in your heart. This is one of the reasons why whenever in our confirmation, when we're teaching about the commandments, there's not just the commandments, there's the meaning, because you're looking at all the ways that we break these commandments. So something as you shall not commit adultery is not, the, not just the obvious, it's even in our thoughts. You shall not murder is even in our thoughts. See, we are wretched. We are enemies of God. We were born dead, dead, dead. And yet, when the fullness of time came, and, and see this, actually before I get to that, the thing is, is that this sinful nature that we are born into, it is what, has, when you are born, the glory of God is veiled from you. And that's where this text is. In the Old Covenant, the glory of God was veiled. They could not look upon Him. So also you cannot, in your natural form, in your birth, when you were born, you cannot look at the glory of God because of your sinfulness. As it was in the Old Covenant, so is it when we are born. But see, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son. Think of the, the hymn, Veiled in Flesh, Incarnate Deity. God Himself veiled His glory in the flesh of a little itty-bitty baby. And He lived as the Creator of the universe, lived as a baby for you. He became obedient to the law, being circumcised on the eighth day, being dedicated at the temple on the fortieth day, for you. He became human flesh in the world that you live in, the world that is sin-fallen. He experienced the effects of a sin-fallen world, even though he himself never committed a single sin, he experienced the full consequences of sin for you. He spent 40 days in the wilderness, wandering without food or water, being tempted by the devil for you. Which, by the way, you'll hear that text next week. He, was, he preached. He teached. He did incredible miracles, making the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the, the lame to walk, the mute to speak. He cleansed lepers with the touch. He raised the dead for you. And as we're entering, closing in on that Lenten season, Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, in case you don't realize that. He was in the garden, praying in agony, praying to the point that his sweat became like drops of blood for you. He's betrayed for you. He was arrested for you. He was beaten, spat upon, mocked, humiliated for you. 
He was denied by Peter for you. He was flogged. A crown of thorns was placed upon his head. He carried his cross to Golgotha for you. He had nails driven into his hands and to his feet. And he died an agonizing death for you. And when he was on that cross, as he, after, when he had died, the soldiers came to his side and they drove a spear right into it. And out came water pointing to baptism, the blood pointing to the Lord's Supper. He was pierced for you. And one of the things that happened on the cross, as it says in the Gospels, is that the earth shook and the curtain in the temple tore in two from top to bottom. I don't know if you realize this reason why we have an altar. It's not just to have something to lean on when you come up the communion. It's actually symbolic. And there's a reason why there's an opening. I know some churches will close the opening because to get a couple extra people for communion. I kind of wish that, I like that we don't close this. Because the reason is, is it's symbolic that the curtain has been torn in two. The veil that separated man from God was torn in two when Jesus died on the cross. That spear went into his side and of splitting side and out came the water pointing to baptism by which the veil was lifted off of you. As it was for Frank today. The veil that separates man from God lifted in baptism. This opening is a reminder that the way to God is open. That's why this is always open. You can see the altar readily. In the Old Covenant, they had, the Holy of Holies was, was shielded. You could not enter it. Only the, high, the holy priest, the high priest could enter into it. But now the way to Christ is open to all. Because he died for you. Because he laid in that tomb, he laid his breathless clay in a tomb for you. And on, the, on that Sunday morning when they came to the tomb, he was not there because he had physically, bodily risen from the dead. Which is why in, what, 50 days? I think it's, I think today is, we're within 50 days to Easter. In 50 days, we will say Christ meant alleluia, he is risen. We don't just say Alleluia, he is alive. There's some people that go, he's alive in our hearts. Yeah, there are churches that teach that, that he's just alive in our hearts, but not physically alive. No, he physically rose from the dead. And he showed himself physically risen from the dead for 40 days. And he had showed himself to over almost 500 people. Physically risen from the dead. He did this all for you. He ascended into heaven for you. And on the day of Pentecost, he sent forth the Holy Spirit for you. That the veil may be lifted. That the way to Christ may be open. There's no better message. There's no better truth. No better news. Gospel literally means good news, and we live in an age of plenty of bad news, there is no better news than that Jesus Christ did everything for you. That while, so here we go, 
Valentine's Day, the ultimate Valentine's Day, while you were still a sinner, while you were dead in your sins, while you were an enemy of God, God showed his love for you and that he said that Jesus died for you. He did not wait until you had it together. He didn't wait until you were good enough because you won't ever be good enough. But he is. And he gave you all of himself. So when you were baptized, you could receive, what you received is like a little white sheet. But in the ancient church, you actually would be given a robe like this. We'd give you a full white robe. And the reason it's symbolizing that you are clothed in Christ. The veil has been lifted. The way to Christ is open. But see, something happens sometimes. As wonderful as this gospel is, as wonderful as the confession that Jesus Christ died for the world to bring salvation to the world, and the veil has been lifted from us, the devil never, still doesn't leave us alone. The devil likes to give us a veil to put it back on our face. Why? Not just because he wants us to walk away, but he doesn't want us to show that glory to the world. One of the things I was finding interesting was right before the service, you all were talking about the third verse of shine, Jesus, shine. And I just kind of had to take note of it. It wonderfully confesses this text because... Where's my, where's my iPad? <laughs> so I, need the actual, I don't have the words memorized at the moment. It says, As we gaze on your kingly brightness, so our faces shot display your likeness, ever-changing from glory to glory, mirrored here, may our lives tell your story. Shine on me, shine on me. See, Frank, when you were baptized, I could not help but notice that a portal did not come down from heaven and take you straight up the minute it happened. Right? We all see, okay. So we all see you're here, so you did go straight up to heaven. In fact, none of you, when you were baptized, went to heaven. You received the glory of God. You were clothed in Christ. In the case of Moses, he had to veil his face because they still lived under the old covenant. Jesus had not come, so they could not bear to look on the glory. But Jesus, whose glory is so much greater, we see this a little bit in the Mount of Transfiguration. The, The glory of Jesus is so much greater, we are not to veil it and hide it. In fact, we are to reveal it, to profess it. So, for you, Dan and Jackie, and your kids, they were the ones who shared the glory of Jesus, the glory of the gospel to make sure you're baptized. And so, why are you, so why weren't you just take us straight up to heaven? Because now it's your job to do the same. You are to bear that same glory to the world. That is the job of every Christian, to be bearing witness to the glory of God. And I know, like I said, the devil wants to get us to hide it. He wants us to be afraid. What are people going to think if I talk about this? Are they going to call me a Jesus freak or a Bible thumper? Or, I mean, we've all been told it. What are the two things you're not supposed to talk about? 
politics and religion. It's a mantra of our culture. We're not supposed to talk about it completely contrary to what Jesus tells us. He tells us you are supposed to talk about it. Because how are they to, be, how are they to hear of the gospel unless someone preaches it to them? You exist to proclaim the gospel. And maybe you might think, well, I just don't, I don't know what the words to say. Well, there's two things, to, two answers to that. One, that's why you study your Bible. That's why you do Bible classes. One of the things I've been doing for almost a year because of the pandemic is I've been doing daily devotions. If you happen to be on, ever on Facebook or YouTube, every single day at six in the morning, there is a new set of devotion. Well, every single weekday, there is a devotion that comes up, and I try to go through scriptures. Some, week, some days it's a little bit long, but I try to get it under 20. Some, in fact, Monday is going to be a long one, but the rest of the week's going to be short. But, but like I said, and right now there is a lot of online resources. If you ever listen to issues, etc., what a wonderful resource to learn your faith. Um, TikTok, I've been starting to use that for, to keep connected with the younger audiences. And mainly because one of the days was trying to upload our service back before we, when we had slow internet. Um, I got stuck into TikTok because I was bored. But <laughs> another, so if anybody's on TikTok, every, once a week I put in a little one-minute devotion based on a scripture. There are many ways that you can keep in God's word, but ultimately, God is the one who's doing it. He is the one who will speak through you. Trust that he will give you the words. Pray that he'll open your heart and your mind to speak the words that he needs you to say. He is a control. Remember, you do not have to save anybody. It is not your job to convert people to Jesus. It is your job to tell people about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is the one who does the converting. It's not your job. Don't put that burden on you. You are not God. Your job is to be a witness, to bear that glory, so that we may all enter into his eternal glory. Because the day is going to come that we will physically rise from the dead just as Jesus did. And we will be able to stand in his glory because the veil was lifted by the power of the cross. You received it in baptism. So may we declare his glory until he returns in glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and Grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who calls you, saves you, and sends you, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen.